What up, this is your boy DJ EFN. You might know me as a drink champ, but first and foremost, I'm a proud father. I linked up with two of my other dad homies, Manny Digital and KGB, to start the Fatherhoods podcast. Each week, we bring you insider hip-hop stories, parenting, and advice and therapy. The saying is true, it takes a village, and we humorously serve as each other's trusted counsel in figuring out how not to screw up being a good dad. Fatherhood's Fatherhood's Podcast. Beats, rhymes, and diapers. Yo, Fatherhood's fam, when you're out and about with your baby and they start wilding out, what do you do? Most dudes are fumbling through the traditional baby bag their lady prepped for them, trying to find that one thing that will calm the kid down. That doesn't have to be your life. Dig no more. The firstborn diaper backpack from Fly Dad has over 21 compartments to have everything right where you need it to be for you and your baby and keeping you fly through the process. Get $20 off when you visit flydadgear.com slash fatherhoods. Yo, what up, fatherhoods? It's another great episode. We got some dope guests today. But first, let me quickly introduce who we got with us. Um, Today, we're stirring the pot with the culinary kings of the Bronx. Literally. Gastro. They've cooked up a storm from Martha Stewart to Diddy and even had a little showing at the Oscars. But today they're serving us some wisdom on fatherhood, entrepreneurship, and making it big while staying true to your roots. So, gentlemen, let's dig in. Why don't y'all quickly introduce yourselves for the audience and then we'll get going with the convo. Yo, what's good, everybody? My name is Chef Lester Walker. What's up, everybody? I'm Pierre Soro. And, uh, you know, we started this thing up about 11 years ago. Last year made our 10th year anniversary when we put out our book. And uh, we really wanted to fill a space as far as bringing more Blackness, bringing more, um, more, more just unapologetic Blackness to the culinary game. You know, we were getting a little unnerved going to certain restaurants and you know, you hear our music playing, you know, you, you, you hear a lot of, you see a lot of our, um, a lot of our culture in a place, man, but they, we weren't the ones that were managing the, the area per se, or, you know, we, we didn't see people like us in the kitchen, putting the food out, you know, so we wanted to fill a space and, uh, you know, we started up Ghetto Gastro, which is a culinary collective that intersects that design, art, and fashion. A little bit right. of sprinkled in there. What's the, got, you said activism? A little bit of that too. Yeah. Sure. A lot of bit of that. Yeah. Okay. So, so what's the what's the child dynamic for you guys? Like, how many kids with without the baby moms? Like, what what's uh, that looking like? I got one bloodline son, but I got a lot of sons on these streets that are, that I don't father a lot of their styles, man. So we just <laughs> we literally and figuratively watering the seeds out here, you know. So um, I have one. My son's actually right here. Big okay. facts. Big big facts with that though. Um, and then, and myself, I have a daughter, she's three and a half, and I got another one on the way that's due mid-August, mid-to-earth. Thank you. Nice. Wow. I, I, got, I got a quick question just to kind of start off the whole food and kids convo. And, and this is something that I, I don't think a lot of dads maybe think about this, but sometimes when, you know, I'm up in the morning or at nighttime and I'm making dinner from, from my son or making sure that, that he's fed. There's a definite sense of pride. And I'm like, damn, I'm able to to do this and, and provide for him like this. How do you guys feel 
in terms of just being able to, you know, cook a good meal for your kids and make sure that they're, you know, fed both mentally and, and physically? I mean, for us, I think it's, it's, it's major, you know, just being able to have like that superpower of being able to nourish the people around you. Um, it's just, it's just a blessing in its own right. And I know my daughter looks forward to when I'm cooking food and I know Lester's son, Trey also looks forward to spending moments in the kitchen with him. And it's really been able, it's really been good for us to be able to develop a relationship with food with our kids, where they aren't afraid of things, where they're willing to try stuff and um, yeah, just open up their minds a little bit more. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a real big thing in our house, getting in that kitchen and making pop. Yeah, for sure. Now, when I think of being able to feed my son, not only mentally, but physically, but also I think about a liberation factor of it as well. You know, um, it, it, I, I feel like it gives us freedom to be able to, you know, cook for ourselves, cook for our loved ones and nourish people, you know, in, 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 time, of, in time of need or just in time of um, just being social, being active. I, 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 really, I really take pride in being able to feed my son. And not only that, pass him down the lessons on how to feed himself and, you know, and how to feed his family when he has a family and how to, you know, just to maybe feed his friends as well, because I think breaking bread gives you the opportunity to build bridges with others. And, and this is, these are the lessons that I passed down to my son and who have me and Pete passed down to our children. You, you guys come from the Bronx, right? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was born and raised in the Bronx. I was born at Einstein Hospital, grew up in Co-op City, Section 5. And myself, I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, but I've been adopted by the Bronx in the past, you know, decade or so. Some change doing work out there and being down with the gang. They, uh, you know, I'm sanctioned out there now. <laughs> so, win, so I, I'm originally from the Bronx. And, you know, when every time I go back to the neighborhood, it, it's more and more apparent and you would think that this is less the case now just given you know progress and time there's still a lot of food deserts right in the bronx and so what you just talked about i know part of your, your guys mission is the education uh you know activism education and just empowerment of people of color in places like the bronx so that they can fend for themselves and, and be liberated like you said less um, through food and culture and all these things, right? And so when I think about what you guys do, how it could impact the place that we're from or are adopted by, how do you go about trying to impact change around that, right? Because I think it, it's both like from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I think it's important, but also as parents, what you can do to stimulate that group of people and their kids is tremendous so so what are some initiatives that you guys have taken on to try to help affect change well for us <clears throat> we talk about how community builds immediately on our side and you know we've been black power kitchen since day one it's not something that's that we're new to we're very true to it we're not overnight activists so i mean even during like the height of the pandemic we teamed up with the um with our friends at la mirada which is a oaxacan restaurant that's run by undoc undocumented mexican immigrants on willis ave and you know, we teamed up with them and our uh, and our friends at Rethink Food to, you know, feed, you know, tens of thousands of, of people um, in the Bronx who are food who are food insecure during the pandemic, and then even still to today, we've raised over one point five million dollars, um, and in uh, an efforts of feeding people in the Bronx through, with La Mirada. So that's continual. That's that's a continuous thing with like mutual mutual aid that we do, um, and. 
even with our products as well at Ghetto Gastro, you know, we're also about accessibility. And our events and our events are one thing because you kind of have to be there to experience it. But now with us stepping out into um, like the consumer product goods world, we're now offering um, different different products for people to eat at home and be able to get a little bit of that flair, a little bit of that stealth health, some of that nutrition in their house, some products, some foods that are better for them designed with whole foods and uh, just nourishment, nourishing our people in mind. So, I mean, we have some food products that are entering Target this summer. Um, starting off with like the pancake and waffle mixes, some syrups and um, toaster pastries, but then looking to expand our portfolio. So it's really about the different avenues of using culinary entrepreneurism to teach and like expand our minds on, you know, what's what and, you know, how to, and how to look out for each other. How, how do you guys um tackle the, the nutrition side of things? You know, we, a lot of us grew up where it was a lot of negative uh, nutritional habits, you know, whether it's because of lack of or just not knowing, you know, the fast food, the foods at the corner store or whatever. And it seems like it, it's a cycle that repeats itself, even in, in parenthood, like you'll just go to the, the easy fast food stuff to to get give to the kids and it'll shut them up. How do you guys tackle that for yourselves at home and for and for what you're doing in the community? I think the fun part about doing that is what we do is like, we, I want to say like we rebrand a lot of these foods that we grew up eating. For instance, you go to the store, you get a chopped cheese for $5, but you know, what is, but it's packed with high cholesterol and, you know, these dairy products that are give, put a mucus in our bodies and things like that reverse, actually reversing the nutrition process. So we do things like give you, give the people that we love, that we know, uh, traditional dishes like a chopped cheese, but then we make it a vegan version of it, you know, where, where it's even even tastier than the original, but it's vegan and it's it's accessible. All of the ingredients that are in the dish are accessible. You can get them in your local supermarket. You could buy them with your EBT card. You could buy them with your food stamps, what have you. And um, like even dishes like feijoada, like dishes that that come from the global, the, the mouth of the global south. Um, these dishes that were, comforting and and what people grew in their backyards that everybody brought something to the table and you know they put it all in one pot and they were able to feed each other able to nourish one another you know so it was just things simple things like that that we like to do like like uh coquitos you know we have a, a dairy-free version of a coquito we have uh um you know we got ices in there you know made from fresh juices and what have you so it's like a lot of fun things that we like to eat that we grew up eating but we we present them in a way that is more you know high vibrational for you, mm. right? I think for us it's really been about you know we've been on this journey ourselves as well, right? Because we come from similar places where there's inaccess to healthy foods, healthy options, even understanding the resources, vegetables, and things like that, how to consume them, what they taste like, even what they look like. So for us, it's trying to create an approach that doesn't seem like too intimidating, but is like packed with flavor vibes and you know somewhat like especially like with the lingo and all of that like you have to mix in different aspects of how people learn and, and catch them in different ways so whether it's visual physical or, or like literal and they're reading shit it's like um there's just different ways for us to connect with people so we have to take all of that into all of that into consideration as well because we all learn differently not everybody picks things up the same way so just being able to spread out um the knowledge 
whether it's um, us taking trips to, I don't know, us taking a trip to West Africa and going to learn about things like that and then being able uh, about what's going on in the culture out there and then being able to create, if it's not a, a, like an experience or a dish that speaks to that, that's kind of how we take a little bit of our, our learnings as well and, and, and put it back into the things that we're doing. And we take the trauma out of a lot of different foods too. Like we, mm. we, we, we extract the trauma from, let's say for instance, we were just in West Africa and they have a red rice, a red grain rice that they, um, that they all, most of the Liberians, when they think of this red rice, they think of the time of war when is when is that's all that they had to eat. And that's, but that was something that like, for, for instance, for like, you know, black people, Spanish people, we have sofrito, we have our collard greens, we got beef, we go to the supermarket, we go, we go to the pizza shop, we'll get a beef patty. But like, those are the type of foods that bring back memories, that they're tasty, they're health, that they're, they're, they're good for you. But, you know, we, we do a different type of patty. We do one with collard greens and, and plantains. Mm. We call that the high bridge. You mm. know what I mean? Because in, in high bridge area of the Bronx, you have a huge population of West Africans and a huge population of um you know, Latinx community as well. So we like to play around with the lingo, with the foods and, you know, get everybody involved and, and eat right. Mm-hmm. How, and, um, how, how and when did you guys learn about nutrition in, in food? Because like E said, especially as a kid and if, and, if, and if for some of us, you know, if the parents weren't involved in terms of just being there to cook or, you know, knowing themselves about nutrition, like how does, how, how did that jump go for you guys? I mean, like, well, for me, for me, it was always like being able to have that knowledge and that wisdom to, to tap into to, to my true self. And, you know, what I've learned and over reading over the years, like in the ancient times of Timbuktu, you know, the Kings and the warriors, they, they had a plant-based diet, you know, they ate dates, they ate preserved vegetables, you know, um, so I wanted to base my life and base my diet amongst the diet of kings and queens, you know, and I wanted to pass that down to my seeds and, you know, to introduce my mom to it too. Cause my mom grew up in Harlem. She's, um, she grew up in a family of seven. So she didn't really have access to a lot of these, these, um, these, these healthy meals that, you know, that I can prepare now, but I wanted to make it my job to give her the knowledge and give her the tutelage that she's given me over, over the years, but mine's is going to be with food. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, <laughs> I definitely learned um, a lot in my life just because like kind of listening to elders and stuff too. Right. When I was my, my great grandmother's from Guyana, she's like a Arawak Amerindian, um, like original, uh, like tribes person or whatever. And growing up, I grew up between Hartford and Barbados. And when I would, when I would spend time in the islands, that's when I learned about like sea moss and linseed and like different herbs as medicine and things like that when I was younger. So like when I was young, I started consuming these things at a very young age because they were given to me. Um, you know, there was a point where like adolescence and stuff that all that goes over your head mm-hmm. and it's just like junk food, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But then when we, when we get, when we got back into like our adulthood and especially into um, my sort of professional life as a chef, I had to, create and find my own voice around this practice that I had. And for me, I always played sports and I was athletic. So I wanted to maintain that physique, energy, all of, all of the things that come with it. You know, I still go to the gym and train. So I wanted to 
tap into all the things that would just benefit my body and belong in the long term. So I reverted back to a lot of the knowledge that I was learning from the Rastas on the island and my great grandmother and my family and then and just continue to build on it, whether it's connecting with different like minded individuals in the health and wellness space um, or just honestly just reading books like Les is saying, like just diving in. Like I have a huge book collection over here. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just about really wanting to do it. And like I have a, we have some friends in our circles as well who converted our eating habits and things like that. And we kind of all have been doing similar uh, on a similar path, maybe not the exact timeline and not the exact uh, journey, but a lot of us have been, you know, trying to redirect and a lot of the misinformation that we've been fed over the years, unlearn a lot of these bad habits and reteach ourselves some new things that'll help us add years onto our life. So like, I didn't grow up doing fresh juices in the morning and right. all of that. But like now at this point, you know, it's if, if we have the knowledge and the information that things that'll be better for us to add years onto our life and give us more energy, I'm not, Vitality. you know, you know what I'm saying? Like make sure we, all that plays into your mental health as well. So mm-hmm. for us, it's just been about self and, you know, uh, this, this journey on uh, self mastery and being the best versions of ourselves that we can be in. That and all that comes in from the things that you're putting in your body contribute to the things that you're putting out. So it's just like, like just life lessons at the end of the day, like learning from elders, learning from the people around us. I learn a lot from less and, you know, I'm trying to pick some stuff up from me as well and apply that, you know, it's really the difference between us is like, we actually apply it to our lives, like all, like all day. And like, we walk it, like we talk it. So, and it's just, it's just been an evolution though. It's definitely been a journey. Yeah, still sharp and still. So we got a we got a sturdy crew, we got a sturdy collective. So, you know, we just bouncing ideas over one another and you know, iron sharpens iron. So we always gonna we always gonna be ready for war, ready for mm-hmm. battle. Les, let me let me ask you because I think I, you didn't mention the age of your son. How old is your son? My son 13. Okay, so mm-hmm. I fig- I figured he was older. Yeah. Um, you you being a chef with a healthy kind of focus and, and consciousness, right? Was there ever a phase in his development or maybe even today, I don't know if that's the case, where there's been almost like a, a battle of of the minds, right? In the sense that he may be gravitating toward foods that are you know are not healthy for him. Mm-hmm. It's like conflict because, you know, maybe it's his friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Has that come about? And if so, how have you handled that friction? Yeah, for at one point when he was like, um, before he turned 10 years old, I think he was like, he might have been 10, 10, 11 year old. He gained a lot of weight. And I was and I would ask, I would be like, yo, like I would ask his moms too. And I'd be like, damn, like, where's he getting all of this weight from? Like, I understand. All right. He's a kid. Maybe it's a little baby fat or whatever. But they were telling me that he was going to McDonald's every day. Mm. And once I and once I mentioned that to my son and once I mentioned that to his mom, like, yo, he's getting a little uh it looks like he's getting overweight. Like I didn't recognize him for a second. And then they cut the McDonald's out like totally. And then it started to just be like, his mom is Vietnamese. So in the Vietnamese culture, they eat a lot of, you know, grains, a lot of uh, home, home, like their own food. And you can't get their food processed really. You have to go right. to either one of their, like a, a Vietnamese restaurant or, you know, grandma's cooking or, or my or my um, son's mother is cooking for him. And then I noticed a huge, you know, weight loss and he got into basketball. So now he's like 
fit and you know he dropped a lot of that baby fat but you know and also like the way i eat i influence my son on how he eats as well too because like whatever i'm eating he's gonna eat i'm not gonna but i'm not gonna make myself a meal that's you know devised of mostly plants and maybe have a little bit of chicken on a plate of fish and he's gonna and i'm gonna give him a, a burger and fries like that's right. not he's gonna eat what i eat so in turn um you know it makes him feel better he's more active he's uh he has more energy more endurance and and not only that, he likes to fool. Like if he's my son. Like think about it, like I didn't grow up with a father, but if I did, I know that I wouldn't. I would want to do exactly what he's doing. Like that would be like my idol. That would be like my. That would be my superhero. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, he sees that I'm strong. I'm active. I'm in the gym every day, and you know, these are just lessons that I'm passing down to him. So, you know, my son looks great right now, and I have to say that's probably has a lot to do with the way. You know, not only what I'm what I'm giving him example, what what I'm telling him that he should eat, or what I'm suggesting, but I'm also leading by example too. So he sees that, and uh, you know, it's just you know they're just mirrors of us. Children, the, the children are mirrors of of their parents. They're mirrors of you know people that they consider themselves that they want to be something like one day, or you know they mimic us. So it's really important that we start them like from the ground up, and that's from food to the to the drip they put on, to the hat they put on their head, to the way they present themselves. You know, you go get a fresh haircut, you know, you brush your teeth, you make your bed in the morning. Like all of that coincides with one another. So, something I struggle with, and I, I don't know if you guys can all relate, but like I, I find myself getting in, getting preachy with my kids, right? And, and I'm not really like, I, I, don't, I don't like to lecture because I know how that typically falls on deaf ears. Like when it was done to me, I just be like, ah, here we go again, right? But... I find myself like having to do that when it comes to nutrition and just like, unfortunately, the where I go is like almost like a scare tactic in the sense that I'm trying to illustrate to my kids what the progression is for some of the choices that they make. Right. Mm -hmm. I try not to make it super like, you know, morbid. Right. Like, I'm not trying to go from like, yo, you just had uh, a McDonald's meal. You're going to die. die. <laughs> I, like I'm, I'm not trying to go that route but at the same time i want them to understand like yo if you keep this up here's what this is going to look like and we have the advantage of like youtube and photos that you could quickly pull up on your phone to kind of illustrate the point but i don't find that that does a lot because one when you're young you you feel like you're going to live forever so i don't think that really affects them but what i do notice is when i shut up and i just act in that way it does, you start to see them shift, right? So I'm curious, like, and, and this is for everybody, how often are you caught kind of in that in that world, right? Where you find yourself just yapping, but really not focusing your attention on the activity? Uh, I would say that that's rare for me, because, like, I'm going to keep it stacked with you, like, the way I live, the, like, the, the image that we're giving you guys the ghetto gastro image, the black power image is not just for, it's not just for an image. Like this, this is like really what we do. Like we take a lot of our principles from the, from the, um, from the Panther party in 1969, when they started the, the free breakfast program mm. and how that was so instrumental in, you know, <clears throat> on the nation that now in every school that every school that there is, they have free breakfast program. And that was, and that started off as an idea from the black Panther party that was demonized from the president at the time. Right. But, um, you know, it has been implemented in our high, in our high schools, in our middle schools, in all of our schools. So that has to, that has to be a big 
that has to play a big part in the modeling of, you know, our youth and of our government and how we're moving. So I'm, I'm just being a, an example of how to, you know, show appreciation to our ancestors, show the appreciation to the forefathers of this. I mean, like, I, like, I'm not vegan, you know, I, I consider myself plant-based and, and people seem to get confused with plant-based and plant-based and veganism. Plant-based is when 80% of your plate is plants and you, I guess 20% is, uh, is, is, a, is an animal product or what have you, you know? So when I buy food from my home, it's mostly plants. It's plants. That's all it is really. So, but when I do go out and I do go to different restaurants and if they have an amazing, amazing dish, like Kobe, like for instance, if I'm in Tokyo, I'm going to have Kobe. I'm going to try Wagyu. But when I'm home, I'm practicing the principles that I'm preaching in Black Power Kitchen. And for me as well, it's like, I mean, my daughter's three and some change. Um, so it's not as, I mean, look, there's, she's very, she's, she's very mature for her age and well-developed. So she understands things and, and, um, and picks and picks and picks up the game like real quick. And even when she was younger, she has, um, right now she has a silver cap on her tooth because she got cavities from um, eating too much dried fruit. Oh, and, and, you know, her mother and I, we thought that we were doing the right thing. We are like, okay, we're not gonna give her any candy. We're gonna give her this. And, um, you know, to, to satisfy like the sweet tooth or whatever. And that actually ended up making, doing like world's worst damage, like dried mango, you know, dried mango in your teeth. That's, you know, crazy amounts of sugar or whatever. So like, from 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 that point, when she, when she got like a, a cap on her mouth, and when it comes to eating sweet things now, like the conversation is like, listen, baby, like that's got too much sugar in it. Too much sugar is bad for your teeth. You know what's going on in your mouth, right. and and that clicks with her. So she doesn't. It's not, daddy, I want this, daddy, daddy, daddy. Ah, it's like, okay, daddy, like what can I have? Can I have a piece of fruit? Versus like candy. Like she'll see some candy and look at me, and I, I, she already know the answer is no. And then she'll, you know, then she'll go and revert to something else that she could get that she knows I'm going to say yes to, like some blueberries or some strawberries or something like that. So I think like Lester's saying, too, it's just like by leading by example, for us not in my house, we don't have like a bunch of junk food and access to all these other little snacks and things like that. I, I don't demonize it because I myself enjoy like a little, little uh, uh, every once in a while, you know what I'm saying? But like, that's, you get that when you go to the when we go to the movies or something like that. It's all about you know it's all about you know portion control and, and balance. Under, yeah, understanding the balance and like in our house we eat everything like she eats all of her vegetables raw or cooked. So she knows that in that it's like look if you eat all of your food this is a rule in my house. I'm like if you eat all of your food then we could talk about dessert and juice. You know, right. and then like, and, and then that, my daughter eats everything. She'll wash off a plate of broccoli, avocados, some sweet potatoes and salad and this and that. She's going to eat it because she knows that there's potential upside for her. But really, it's just about indoctrinating that idea of eat your vegetables mm-hmm. and you grow to be big and strong. Shit, so, I would take from that, like, because I hate the dentist. So mm-hmm. like, if, if I'm, if I'm have to go to the dentist and they have got to shoot needles of anesthesia in my mouth and then they pull out these weird looking tools yeah i'm staying away from it you know what i mean it's, it's like fear tactics from like experience yeah you know yeah. so it's 
not necessarily things that we're making up, but it's like stuff that they've seen and that they can see. Like, look, if you do, if you keep doing that, then you're going to end up like that. So, and also like Lester's son, I'll say like what I've seen with Lester and his son is that his son is 13. And like he said, he wants to play ball and stuff. So his son is going to make the adjustments that he needs to be a better ball player. He's not going to sit around and eat, you know, a bunch of bullshit if he's got an AAU game because yeah. then he's going to be sluggish and he's not going to put up his numbers. And then, and then what? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, it's really just about taking, like, these life experiences and these examples that you could set and then just build it on top of that. And you got people like uh, Cade Cunningham for the Pistons that's, like, I think he's all vegan, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Like, you're starting to see athletes. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of plant-based and veganism going on. Sure. That wasn't in front of us before, you know, by people that look like us, you know what I'm saying? But black, Latino, we artists, whatever, like, like we're seeing it. It's more prevalent now. You know that we're the ones who started that whole thing right. too. Rastafarians, Ital is vital. That is a long time, you know, like our ancestors, they were eating, they eat more plants than anything else. All of this, all this extra stuff, this, you know, these commodified foods and, you know, over, over processed foods, that stuff was introduced to us over the years, but as a people over the long term, uh, people of color have been eating predominantly plants for right. for a long time, you know? So it's really just about us teaching each other and it's teaching each other too. It's like, that's really what's important. Like we got to listen to the youth. The youth got to listen to us. We got to listen to our peers and share and share information. And, and like you said, don't sound too preachy, but like whatever you got to do to get the message across sometimes too. Yeah, how, how, how do you get the young ones to listen yeah, to you? That, that's well, that's I kind of want to dive into that. Yeah. You touched on it a little bit, but we got to bring it down. Let's just say a parent or parents that aren't as disciplined, right? And they have toddlers, like I have toddlers. Mm-hmm. Um, the toddlers fight the eating of vegetables, they think it looks disgusting. Or is there anything that you guys implemented early on that you found that worked to get the kids to the toddlers at, at that age, which is the key age for them to start to learn those habits? to eat some of this more healthy stuff. But also I to think- add on to that, like the, and then go from there to, you know, the, the teenagers who might be set in their ways. And how do you, how do you talk to teenagers to try to turn them around and, and break the bad habits so that they actually listen to you? I think it's about like, for instance, to make vegetables a little bit more tasty is when you throw them in like curries or you throw them in a fried rice, you know, something fun, you show a kid how to cook in a wok. And he's like, wow, that's interesting that, and then, you know, it looks good when it's being cooked. So, that, you know, because we're visual people, we like to see how things look. And also, like when I was a teenager and I was and I was suffering from suffering from acne and things like that, I knew that um, vegetables and like green vegetables would like help kind of like dry my skin out a little bit. So, you know, I don't have as many flare ups. Dairy was making my skin break out a lot. Sugar was. So I knew at an early time, like an early point in my life, like and I played sports as well. So when I started the incorporate more you know vegetables and more green more vitamin b and c into my into my diet you know my skin cleared up i was i was more active on the court i was i was more alert you know so things like this you got to listen to your body too not every not everybody has the same body the same um the same blood type or what have you. like when i first started to dabble into veganism and I wanted to, a high protein diet. I thought that eating a lot of beans was going to replace the protein from the animal. But in, in turn, since I'm um, O negative, the beans were like making me blow up. And I was even mm. gaining, I was gaining more weight than I, than I thought I should. Like I was just blowing up, but I didn't understand why. 
but I was eating a lot of grains. I was eating a lot of bread. I was eating a lot of beans, and those are all gassy. That's wheat. That's enriched flour, and those those all and those are all inflammatory. So, you know, like not every not everybody has the same DNA. Not everybody can eat the same things, but you know, it's about trial and error. And I think that what's worked for me, you know, I can't speak on everything and on everybody, but like I know what's worked what works for me. And what's worked for me is, and I and also with people I see around me who have their who, who have kids, um, who are more exploratory with the food is really making them a part of the process too, right? Like everybody doesn't have the same bandwidth, but I know that I take my daughter to the farmer's market with me. She comes to the grocery store with me. She picks out the vegetables off the, you know, out the produce out. Like, I'm like, what do you want to eat? You know, and we also like play around with food in the house too. So whether it's planting herbs and seeds and stuff like that to grow, to grow vegetables or going to, a garden around us just to spend some time around the foods because once they familiarize themselves with the foods, then they're not, then, then they're not as scared to try them and explore a little bit more. Like you bring a kid to a, to a garden and let them pull a tomato off a tree and bite into it, a cherry tomato. It's a lot different than going to the grocery store and pulling something off and then putting it on a plate and then calling them from another room and being like, yo, come and eat this. Cause they have no connection to the food. So they don't even know. They're like, what is that? I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But once, once they spend a little time, like my daughter will come in the kitchen she'll mix, she'll mix a little salad dressing or, you know, give her a knife, let her chop some stuff. She's a lot more a part of the process. So she feels connected to the food that she's eating. And then like during the process she'll cut a pepper, eat it, taste it. And in our house as well, like you don't have to like everything. But you have to you have to be open to trying and tasting things, and you can't just say no. I don't want to eat it. It's like no, take a bite, try it, chew mm-hmm. it, and if you really don't like it that much, then all right, we're not gonna have this argument. We're not gonna have an argument, and I'll and and I learn what your likes and dislikes are. But just by like having them, having her, and uh, even like my nieces and nephews and stuff too, having them a part of the process um, has definitely changed the way that that my daughter looks at food. And I also have like some nieces and nephews and cousins who are um, mid teens, like between like 14 and and 19. And they, they learn a lot from me because they say they like coming in the kitchen with me and like spending time and like hearing about, okay, what is this? Like, this is a carrot or this is a piece of squash or asparagus. Like, why are you cooking it like that? And can I try that? It just kind of opens up their mind to being a little bit more inquisitive to versus just being like really, you know, off put by just like a plate of food put in front of them because they don't have a connection to it. You know, like they just come home and it's just like, all right, here's food. They're like, no, I don't want that. I want some chicken and some fries because like that's what they see on TV. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what they, you know, the commercials are feeding them that stuff. But when you cut out a little bit of that television, you know, it's really about how you spend your yeah. time too. Like we all got the same 24 hours in a day. So instead of spending four hours watching TV after school before dinner or whatever, or whatever it is, however much time in a day you spend watching television, spend a little bit of time outside or just being connected to the foods that you're eating because then you have a relationship with it, you know, and then you feel like you need it in your life. You know, like when I taught like my niece about uh moss for the first time, she was grossed out. She was like, ew, I don't want that. Like, uh, uh, uh. 
But then when I showed her some videos of people like Left Eye Lopez talking about it or Beyonce talking about CMOS and this and that, that changed her mind. And then I showed her and then she hit it. You know, she stayed with me for a week and she was taking CMOS and I asked her how she felt. She was like, yo, honestly, like, I feel better. She's like, I feel like I have a little bit more energy and this and that. And I could see her personality change just mm. with like the week that she spent with me. So when I saw that, now like she'll call me every once in a while. She'll be in the kitchen cooking some food. You know, my older brother would be like, yo, she, you know, she cooking food for her moms and stuff like that. So just by them being a little bit more connected to it in the house and around them just makes them care a little bit more. Cause you have to care. Like if you don't, if you're not around it, you're not going to care about it. The, the thing you just said about taking them to the supermarket or the farmer's market is such a basic thing, but I, I, I'm thinking about my own experiences with my three kids and 99% of the time, my wife and I, we're trying to leave them so that we could be productive, get in, get fast, out. Right. Get in, get in, get out. Right. <laughs> right. But, and then when we do have to take them with us, it's, it's a, it's a chore. It's a, yeah, it's a chore. Cause they want, they're doing their right. like this. They don't know yeah. what's going on. But we're not thinking, yo, let's have them pick the fruit. Let's have right. them. Right. The impact. Like, we're not, we trying to like diffuse situations and like run and it's like chaos. Yeah, but, but changing your mindset and actually could, having them be a part of the process, I think is genius. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, allow, allow them to explore a little bit in those spaces because, like, if they're attracted to something, like in a farmer's market or a grocery store, follow them and ask them what it is. You know, and be like, okay, are you going to eat this? Like, do you like that? Do you want to know what it tastes like? Because yeah, then look, they're part of the process. Like, my daughter knows on Saturdays or Sundays that we go to the farmer's market. It's not even a question. We so we we like, done that. Go to the market. We've done that recently in our crib. We've taken them to the farmer's market and I have seen a difference and we've added uh, them being a part of the food prep. Mm -hmm. And my mom, when they go to see my mom, their grandma, she, she has them do uh, fruit salads. And now I notice the kids like fruit more, you know, and they want fruit salads. And then my wife is ha having them make salad, regular salad and dressing. And now the kids want salad more like you know so it's it, everything you're saying is is true as i've seen it in, in the past couple of months happen in real time in my crib yeah and, and honestly like this isn't even from like parenting books like i don't read books like i just learn from experience and i and i know how i learned like my mom had uh myself and my siblings in the kitchen doing potato peeling competitions to see who didn't have to wash dishes and this and that but like and we were just learning like uh life skills learning how to cook and they weren't chores. She was, they were making it like competition, making it fun, making it a game. So, so that you didn't feel like, oh man, I got to go and do this. It's like, nah, like, yo, you want to eat? Are you hungry? Like, all right, cool. Let's go to the grocery store and pick out some food that you're going to eat throughout the week. Cause then that way, Hey, you're going to, you're going to reduce wasting your house. Cause mm. everything's going to get eaten. Mm. And then B, your kids are part of the process. They're not like just sitting at home waiting for you to come home with groceries and put food on the table for them. Yo, is, you guys also not this shit is not a hotel. Let me tell you, don't <laughs> right. do not have a maid. You know what I mean? Like you have to be a part of the process because I'm not like and also like this is the last thing I say because I know I'm kind of carrying on. But I don't look at raising my child. I don't look at like I'm raising a child. I, I feel like I'm raising an adult and I need to teach my little one the things that she needs to learn so that when she grows older, the tools. that as an adult, like this stuff is just natural to her. Like she knows that we go outside and exercise, we go to the market, we eat our vegetables. And also you can have like some ice cream and this and that. So it's just balance. 
One, one thing I wanted to just one last thing was you guys kind of touched on it was the relationship with I think it's both nature and natural foods. I think there's always been a long time running a narrative that it's like uncool to have that connection and have that relationship. And therefore you end up, you know, not being healthy because you're missing out on the opportunities to understand that, you know, you're connected to nature and you have access to to natural foods if you seek it out. Yeah. I mean, natural foods, I mean, especially like in communities of color where like we talking about food deserts earlier, or you met you 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 kind of allure to it. We refer to them as food as as a food apartheid, um, mm. mainly because the desert is a natural a natural occurrence. And we got that from Karen Washington. Um, that's you know she came up coined that phrase the food the food apartheid. Um, and 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 in the neighborhoods, like also we look at it as sort of um, it's like a dog eat dog world out there, right? So like you don't want to be dog food you don't want to be like bait out here so you can't be thin you can't be unhealthy you can't be frail because like that's how you're going to get picked on like that's how cats are going to have the upper the upper hand on you like that's at least how i look at it so um can't be lacking out here can't be lacking so mm-hmm. you know we gotta you know be, you wanna, connect, be connected you, to the food you want to look good you better cook good big man. facts all of that where's that all t-shirt at yeah i was about to say where's <laughs> that t-shirt that's coming soon. Coming soon. Coming soon. Yo, don't uh, to the uh, to the people listening. Don't bite that. That's their shit. All right. <laughs> that is our. <awesome. laughs> um. So tell us. I know we got just a couple more minutes here, but like, tell us about the the book. I know you said last year on your tenth anniversary, you guys dropped the book. Mm-hmm. I know it's Black Power Kitchen. Black Power Kitchen is more than just recipes, right? Because I think yeah. you think chefs, you're gonna think a recipe book. Mm-hmm. It encapsulates a lot of things. Why don't you it's, tell us a little bit about it? There's recipes, but it's recipes for success. You know, this, this is a manifesto to the Bronx. This is a this is a love letter to, you know, the borough that we grew up in, that we're in love with, and that we want to um, empower others in the community to become not like us, but greater than us. So mm-hmm. we use this book as a catalyst for the next, you know, the next ghetto gastro successors, you know, our next successors. And it's also a way to just connect one another with our ancestors, you know, um, connect one another with different communities. Because when you think about the ghetto, there's ghettos everywhere. You know, you got the ghettos, they call them favelas in, in, um, <clears throat> in Brazil. You know, they call them shanty towns in, um, in Africa. You know, they call them, um, you know, there's slums, get- of slums of Mumbai. You know, they got, there's ghettos everywhere. But we use this book right here as a common denominator to connect everyone, to let everyone know that, yo, everybody eats. And we do it and we do it with like the recipes like Les is talking about. It's also a lot of um, a lot of visual stuff in there as well. So it's food, lifestyle, photography, and we mix it with a lot of art as well from different luminaries um, across the artistic space, Latinx, um, the Latinx community. So we have everybody from Kerry James Marshall to Wangechi Mutu, Tyler Mitchell. Um, the photography was done by our good friend Joshua Woods and Naquan Shuler. Um, I mean, we even have like Emery Douglas from the Black Panther Party in our book, Dream Hampton, Miss Thelma Golden. So it's ASAP Ferg. So we're touching on different, um, just different points of blackness as well. So it's the food, it's the culture, it's the arts, it's everything. Um, and Black Power Kitchen. So that's available everywhere. And also we just enter Target with our kitchen appliances as well um, with another iteration of our kitchen appliances. So we have the air fryers, the waffle makers, toasters and coffee machines also got the cookware out and all that food products coming soon as well to target. So 
really just about taking culinary uh, entrepreneurism and and being able to expand on on you know just being better human beings and being able to offer our community access accessible things whether it's information products food vibes you know whatever it is just to kind of help empower empower them in different ways we just sharing the wealth man that's all you know this this information is not just for us to have it's for the it's, right. it's for it's for our, all of us to have you know so that's the way that we're going to keep growing we're going to become more successful we're going to progress by by sharing as wealth. by sharing as wealth. you know wealth is health health is wealth. Absolutely. I mean, it's critical work, right? Especially the, the education component of all of this, right? Because it, it feels really hard to get to a place where you really can be confident in the nutrients and how to prepare them so that you can ingest them properly and all that good stuff. So it feels like a departure for a lot of us. Um, simplifying it the way it seems like you guys are doing, I think is super valuable. I have one request before we bounce. We need more videos from y'all, like chefing it up. Coming, we got some. We cooking hey, right now. We cooking right now. Our space, our space. We we um since the pandemic, we we actually closed out like our actual studio space. So okay. we've been we've been without a studio for like three years, but we just started construction, broke ground like a couple of weeks ago, and we'll be back in the lab proper doing it up like how how we how we need to and giving everybody all the information, the videos the stories, the actual food, the products, all the vibes, all that's coming soon. So just, just, stay, just stay tuned. And we'll be up and running by Labor, trust, trust by, the process. By labor Day to play, man. You know, we got a little spot okay. that we're working on. <clears throat> and we're going to have more events there. We're going to have more gatherings, <clears throat> break bread, build bridges, you know, do more cooking videos and things of that nature. We're going to be turning up real soon. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you asked that. We got something for you coming real soon. Dope is needed. And we got to tell people, don't eat that uh, lab-grown chicken and meat out there, man. They're they, 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 they throwing at us heavy right they now. They're throwing man. it crazy. Please don't yeah. fall for that. You know, the kids going to start being born with extra fingers. Extra <laughs> toes. Yeah. We don't, don't need man. to be Stay lab Stay away rats. from that, man. Stay away yeah. from that. Stick, yeah, with man. Stick with the plants, man. And those are grants. Those ain't yeah. loans. Man. The plants are grants. They loans. You ain't got to pay those back, man. Mm. Those Rants, man, you feel me? Yep, they wave from those loans, man. From the soil, 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 Thank you. Appreciate you. Peace to the right. garden. Peace. Love. Peace. Later. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child.